We all know the damage that fires are capable of. What we don't always understand is the cause, behavior, and what to do in the aftermath of a fire. Today, you'll understand these aspects just a little bit more. Welcome to Speaking of Fire with Mike Schlattman and Donna Ingram. We will give you tips on fire prevention, how to deal with insurance matters, and more. Now, here are your hosts, Donna and Mike. Hello and welcome to Speaking of Fire. This is Mike Slatman, your host. I have over 45 years of experience in fire investigations and uh, I am, I'm honored to be a past president of the International Association of Arson Investigators and the president of Fire Consulting and Case Review International as well as the managing person for Consolidated Fire Investigation Services as over 200 investigators throughout the United States. And I'm here with my nice uh, co-host. Donna Ingram. I have almost 30 years in fire and fraud. And uh, also I'm a past director of the International Association of Arson Investigators. And uh, today's show is, is going to be very informative. I'm happy to have this show. Yes, and uh, it should be titled Burned Survivors instead of Burned Victims. Uh, my, my mistake. Um, but, uh, and we have, uh, we're honored to have um, Jessica Irvin, uh, who has spent her career providing therapeutic and support programs for burn survivors. Uh, she's had over 13 years in hospital setting and nine years working with the Phoenix Society. Uh, which is uh, for burn, vict- burn survivors. I'm sorry, I do that all the time. Um, she's dedicated to helping uh, survivors and and uh, and to to um, to their families. Uh, plus, uh, the Phoenix Society I've known for years uh, is of great support to the fire service also, and uh, and to the uh, general public. Um, and also, we're going to have hopefully um, Tamara Knighton. Who is, uh, who is a burn survivor, uh, who has written a book called Kayla B. and That's Me, Dashing and Confident, and um, also is having a second book come out called uh, Burned But Not Broken, which is uh, scheduled to be released this summer. She's also uh, working on a, on a, on a movie. Uh, so um, she decided after she was burned when age six that she was going to, instead of covering her burns, that she was going to showcase her scars to the world and wear them as a badge of honor and encourage other survivors uh, to, to come out of their shells. Uh, hopefully she will be here. Um, and But right now we're going to start with Jessica. Jessica, please uh, tell us something about... Uh, uh, how you got involved with the Phoenix Society, and then we'll talk exactly about what the Phoenix Society is, okay? Sure. Thanks for having me. Um, I got involved in Phoenix Society for Burn Survivors, much like many of the people that you'll find in that community do, um, by finding a heart and a passion for just volunteering. And then eventually I, I worked my way into being a staff member. Um, I'm actually the, the daughter of a burn survivor. My mom was burned as a, a young child and lost a sibling. Um, but career-wise, I think I found my way into support programming by just knowing that the support and the acknowledgement of the survivor of whatever happens and their family member can make all the difference in the world. Mm. I know. And the Phoenix Society has been around for how long? How, has it been, how long has it been operating? Uh, it was founded in 1977 by a passionate burn survivor who, who had a vision. Um, since then, we've, we've 
grown exponentially to serving nationally and even internationally. Fantastic. Uh, do you have any kind of idea of uh, how many thousands, of, I know you've helped thousands of people, you got any idea how, how many? I do. I can tell you that um, last year alone, we, we reached 98,000 burn survivors, family members, and professionals with information, support, and resources far-reaching from our online community. And then that, that goes down to in person, having 965 people attend our annual World Burn Congress. Um, so it's really a matter of the, a far reach now that we've got online tools. And then also bringing it back to being in person with the survivor and burn support professional community on an annual basis. And what is the Congress? Um, great question. So World Burn Congress is an annual coming together of survivors and family members and burn support professionals, uh, I mean healthcare workers, as well as the fire service, um, emergency responders, um, attorneys, anyone working in the field, uh, both as an advocate as well as a supporter and server. And um, it is this annual celebration and um, professional conference all in one, a bit like a, a, a family reunion where you can get inspired and also get continuing education. Well, that that sounds terrific. Uh, well, um, the Phoenix Society. How do you, how do you um, how 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 do people support that? I mean, how 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 do you I guess get your your funding? We are a national a U.S. nonprofit. Um, a lot of the way that we run is through donations. Occasionally, we'll be able to do grants as well. But it, we are we are funded primarily from the support of our 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 own support community right and uh, and you um, so you'll take uh, well we have a lot of, of good listeners here and a lot of people that are that are interested in well speaking of fire uh, they're they're interested in fire issues how can people support the Phoenix Society there's a lot of ways to get involved um, money is always helpful <laughs> as, as anyone would guess and our website phoenixsociety.org um, has several ways to get involved in that from our um, Never Alone campaign. You can guess from those words what that means. You are never alone as a survivor or someone working in, in serving this population. Um, as well as getting involved on a personal level, um, becoming a Phoenix advocate. We have an online training and ways to, to do that grassroots work, advocating for burn survivors um, and to prevent burns and to prevent the far-reaching impacts that burn injury can have. Um, so online training to volunteering at our conferences to volunteering as a, a peer supporter in your own community and on and on and on. Oh, that sounds great. Um, Phoenix, uh, phoenixsociety.org is, is, a, is a good place to start then, right? Exactly. It's phoenix-society.org. Thank you. Now, um, now, KU, uh, Kansas University uh, Hospital here in um, in Kansas, uh, in the Kansas City, Kansas actually has a wonderful burn unit, um, and they've and they have uh, this. This is a place where they they take all the seriously burned um, uh, people uh, in the whole area. They life flight them into there. Um, now I know that you, the Phoenix Society, also works with uh, with uh, with. Uh, professionals, right, uh, to, to burn, uh, to burn um, medical people, correct? Yes, exactly. 
And what do what do they do with them? I mean, how can how can do they they interact with them uh, um, in in some manner? What what is that? Well, so there's a couple of ways of of um, recognizing the both the impacts of serving the burn community by um, you know needing to continually advance education. What does it mean to support a burn survivor in a community and a family member? Um, as well, there's that that toll that that can take, right? You can imagine that um, proximal trauma, that that toll emotionally on those kind of caregivers that witness really the worst of the worst sometimes. Um, When we have our support resources, both online as well as in person at World Burn Congress, um, there are support groups for healthcare providers and for burn support professionals. There are um, discussion groups that are advancing learning. What are the trends in support care? things like that. And then a lot of times these are tools that can be taken back into the healthcare setting, like into the local burn center you're talking about and sharing further with peers. That's interesting. Um, Have you, and I I see you've spent uh, many years in this, have you seen different things in the medical, and I'm sorry, I am lacking on on the medical treatments, but are there things that are happening in, in recent that weren't happening, say, 20 years ago? Absolutely. Uh, and, and so if you all have been around in, in the fire investigating area, too, you'll, you'll know that many more people are surviving these horrible accidents. And so that brings just a different layer and level of care if people are surviving with, um, you know, more impacts to their body and are going to have to move forward. As well, we've got technology that just seems like every year you're hearing new things. So most recently, the trend is um, using lasers to refine scarring. Um, that always before was going to be going back under anesthesia and going to have to, you know, going back under surgery. And now what they're doing with lasers is just amazing. Scars that happened 5, 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago can sometimes be flattened or their their tightness can be released with lasers instead of having to have surgery. It's just amazing. That is amazing. I know that I knew that they were surviving more. Um, we've had uh, a couple of, uh, of terrible incidents where people have been burned and actually had their entire hands burned off um, from mm-hmm from accidental and, and some intentional such fires and uh, and they're not only surviving but I mean they've they've had to have their hands amputated but they've uh, they've um, they've been able to survive and and uh, and then get prosthetics and things like that so um, I know that uh, the Phoenix Society is right there on the forefront of leading uh, the charge for not only support but uh, uh, all the things that that you guys do you you even have a a special advocacy for uh, fire department uh, people, correct? Firefighters? Right. Recognizing that when you're injured in the line of duty, it has, especially, you know, the camaraderie that exists in the fire service, it has a different layer of what happened to you and processing the trauma of your injury and also moving forward, whether you go back to work or not. And so we actually have... Um, several specialized programs just for fire service and family members. That's great. Um, I, we have a lot of fire service uh, people that listen and fire investigators that listen to this program. And, and uh, I know that, uh, I mean, that you're right. It's a, it's a, it's a fraternal society. It's a, it's a brotherhood, uh, but it's also a sisterhood now, and that's good. Um, and I, I really think that you're doing valuable work. 
And interesting that uh, also, like yourself, that I, I run across many firefighters that have been touched by fire. That's one of the reasons that they are involved in the fire service is because something has happened. Right. And uh, so so that they have happened. And uh, I don't know. You said that your mother were bur- was burned uh, and that, that made an impact on you and encouraged you to uh, to, uh, to get into this line of work. Is that correct? Do you find a, a lot of people uh, get into that for that reason? I think, I think there's a lot of ways that people find their way to um, discovering this passion. Um, but certainly there's the awareness that, uh, especially for if you're related to someone who was injured decades ago, you know what happens when this type of support was not available. Yeah, you know, imagine the absence of support. Imagine the absence of growing up with tools and skills to get back to living and to, to lead a normal life. Um, and so I would say, yeah, the, the people that witness the effects of being therapeutic and supportive or the absence of those resources definitely, like myself, would, would feel a stronger um, passion towards that for sure. And I, it seems like also those in the fire service just have the deepest of hearts and, and desire to serve in general. And it seems like for those that are involved with us, that only gets even more passionate when one of their own gets impacted by injury. Absolutely. Um, this is what, uh, uh, what the, actually the reason that I was I went into police work was uh, was a couple of reasons. As I grew up in a ghetto area, and so I saw a lot of crime around me, and uh, and I really was uh, energized to. Um, uh, to fight crime, right, in, uh, in its murky layers, right? So, uh, but really, in reality, um, I got an opportunity to do that uh, with the Air Force and then later in civilian police work. But, but what I'm saying to you is when, when something impacts your life like that, it, it will cause uh, involvement. Um, in fact, I find a lot of arsonists, a lot of arsonists were impacted when they were children, by some type of fire, their sister got burned, their their house burned down, grandma's house burned down, and then they start they start uh, acting out with fire, um, and and I don't know if the Phoenix Society is working with a lot of youth groups. Can you tell us that? We do have programs that that address the children and teens and even young adults that were, you know, that have been injured or whose loved one was injured, children of a, an adult survivor or a sibling of a burn survivor. Yes, absolutely. Because in our view, trauma ripples throughout the entire family. Uh, yes. And, uh, and yes. And, uh, and do you have, um, as part of the Congress, do you have, um, do you have uh, uh, like a children's group meeting? I don't know that. We do. Um, we have several programs that are customized to the developmental levels and you know, different ages and stages. Because um, as you can imagine, that injury is going to mean different things when you're seven and when you're 17 and when you're 27. So our um, youth program for seven to 17 year olds is for survivors, siblings, um, and again, children of adult survivors. Um, and it's its own track and it's immersed with people who just get it. These are your peers, and these are our um, highly skilled professional volunteers and staff, and the mix of therapeutic activities and, and fun, and just being with somebody who can go, yep, 
Me too. I've been there too. Um, We also have a young adult program because as you can imagine there too, growing up and coming of age with scars or still processing your trauma might impact how you get yourself out in the world and how you, how you live your life. Absolutely. At what point does the Phoenix Society get involved? Meaning, are you there uh, initially, or is it something after the? What what point do you intervene? Are you called mm-hmm. in? Sure, we're we're there. Um, we have around fifty member hospitals participating in our peer supporter program, which is a, a curriculum and where our partner hospitals have coordinators and trained burn survivors and family members who visit their peers the day of and the week of and and the month of their injury. So in that way, in our own community, we have a far reach that goes right to that bedside when our our community members are are at their most acute needs. Um, It's called Survivors Offering Assistance and Recovery. Like I said, by partnering with those hospitals, we are able to be part of that recovery and and that going from victim to survivor from the very beginning. So you're developing a relationship, years relationship with these survivors. Right. And and obviously the needs are going to change from being in the bed to that, that what happens when I get home and how do I actually get back to living as a survivor or get back to our new normal with whatever physical changes that is, you know, are going to have to be dealt with and then the emotional impacts of and even post-traumatic stress disorder. And so our resources then are online and they are, um, again, reaching back to that SOAR peer supporter program running support groups and our, our, we have a weekly online peer support chat for burn survivors anywhere in the world really do aim to be with a survivor for their whole journey back to living and beyond yes fantastic and and if someone uh expires from their burns um i have i have a friend that's a lady that used to work with the fallen firefighters foundation and her son was killed in the line of duty uh and uh and that inspired her to work with the fallen firefighters foundation Uh, i don't know if uh, the phoenix society finds this to be the case but uh um do if someone uh, expires from their from their burns, uh, do their do their family members get involved with you or continue to to deal with you, um, you know, as, as supporters or something? Yes, absolutely. Just going back to that fundamental view that everybody in the family is a survivor, whether the the burn injured family member dies or not as a survivor, as the mother, as the spouse, as the daughter, you're still surviving after that accident. And surviving is going to take resources and surviving is going to take a community to embrace around you. Yes, we are there, definitely. And sometimes those people become some of our most leading advocates. You know, and and, uh, I can imagine that would be the case. You also, as as unfortunate as this, we've been at war for way too many years now um, we've had a lot of military people burned uh, from explosions IEDs um, incendiary devices etc um, what is is there an outreach program to the military too I know they have their own resources but I didn't know if the Phoenix Society is doing that also 
You're right. There, there are definitely a number of um, military burn survivors who have become actively involved with us. It's not a specific track like I referred to for the fire service, but as a matter of fact, one of this year's opening keynote speaker um, is Manny Gonzalez, who was a, he is now a retired U.S. Marine who was injured as part of his um, line of duty. In, and another one that comes to mind is J.R. Martinez, also um, former soap opera and Dancing with the Stars um, celebrity. And so, absolutely, there's a place for, for those folks as well. And this year, they're on the main stage. You know, I saw I saw the, the LinkedIn on, on Mr. Gonzalez, and uh, and I and I know my daughter saw uh, the Dancing with the Stars uh, situation. So, um, mm-hmm. and you know, it's 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 ma- it's magnificent that people that that have uh, have had these sustained these injuries are willing to, uh, in essence, come out of uh, and 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 be public and speak and etc. Well, that's something that. I'm sure the general public doesn't understand, and we only have a few minutes before break. But Jessica, with your background, when someone is burned, um, it's it's not just a scar. It's not just a um, deformation of skin. What's happening there? Well, there's there's the immediate impacts and the pain and the surgeries, and it's not just a surgery and you're done, it does your skin graft heal. It's the pain of the skin graft site itself. It's doing all of the therapy and it's going home and continuing your therapy and it's going home and, you know, your spouse or your parent or your brother or your sister becoming sort of your coach and your caregiver in a lot of scenarios. And so when you think about all of that, as well as pain and, and often having to deal with pain management that goes along with it and also the emotional side of processing the trauma that you've been through. You can imagine the layers upon layers there, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I can imagine there's a lot of anxiety about whatever the incident, how it happened, that they're, ever, they're ever doing it again. If it was a cooking accident, uh, it was an mm-hmm. uh, automobile accident, whatever. Uh, I can imagine that it has a lot of emotional uh, impacts. Uh, and there's therapy for that, is there not? There's therapy for that, and there's there's very specific, and, and even you'll read more and more about um better and better therapies to help with post-traumatic stress disorder, for example. But there's also that layer of peer support that I referred to, that power of, yes, me too, I've been there too. Here's what worked for me, and you're not alone. You're never alone. Um, And I think that that is also so important as somebody faces going out and their appearance has changed or going out and their body no longer regulates temperature and so they can't deal with heat anymore or just facing the scene of the injury, especially that is your workplace, right? Right. So just so many layers, and, and yes, therapy, but also peer-to-peer support is so important. I think that's fantastic. Also, I noticed, um, I mean, I'm a, a reg- I get your magazine, okay, from the Phoenix Society. <laughs> and so um, you, you have a magazine that comes out and it deals with, uh, with some interviews and, and issues, um, uh, you've only got uh, two minutes left. Can you t- tell us something about the magazine? Yeah, our, our magazine is a mix of, and I mentioned the huge audience that we aim to serve. 
There's a mix of articles and concrete resources for survivors, for family members, um, for burn support professionals, and it always profiles someone who is in that process actively of getting back to living, of thriving, is the picture of resilience, but it also paints this picture of what does it take to keep doing that day after day. And then as well, tips for caring for a survivor after injury or what are these trends that we speak of, such as laser therapy. So we aim to cover the depth and breadth of the entire burn support community in the magazine. That's fantastic. And so uh, what we'll do is um, when we come back uh, after the break, we're going to have a burn survivor, um, and uh, and and we're going to talk to to him. It's going to be Scott from the uh, that I think you've arranged uh, for us, uh, <laughs> Jessica. Um, and we're having a little problem getting Tamara, uh, so um, thank you for doing that. And we'll talk to him, but we'll also uh, continue to to. Um, to talk about the Phoenix Society because we so much uh, uh, want to people to support uh, you. So um, when you come back, please come back to Speaking of Fire. Easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Fire Consulting International provides consulting and expert fire origin and cause investigations. Our experienced, certified fire investigators have specialized skills to meet litigation requirements. We also provide peer review of reports for other investigative firms to assure they meet NFPA guidelines and ASTM standards. Educational classes and CEU classes are also provided. For professional investigations, contact Fire Consulting International at fcifire.com or call 913-262-5200. FireAnalysis.net offers cutting-edge, comprehensive programs unique to the insurance industry. Our vendor vetting assures regulatory compliance with the Sarbanes-Oxley Act, NFPA guidelines, and ASTM standards. We ensure that investigators' reports are in compliance with those standards. We also offer comprehensive programs to assure compliance with your company guidelines. Please contact FireAnalysis.net. That's FireAnalysis.net. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Speaking of Fire with Mike Schlattman and Donna Ingram. To call in to today's show, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to connect at speakingoffire.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Speaking of Fire. Thanks for joining us. 
Okay, so we have uh, we have a uh, Scott Denman, uh, who is a uh, a survivor, a burn survivor, and we'll have uh, after that. Jessica is arranging for us uh, to have another um, uh, survivor on, and and uh, who is um, who has. Uh, also graciously um, said that she would uh, be here. Uh, Jessica, what's uh, the, that survivor's name so we'll, we'll know? Sure, that's, that's Blake Petter. He was injured as a teen and is now a young adult. Okay, Blake Petter. Okay, well, so Mr. Sk- uh, Denman, are you there? Yes, yes, I'm here. Um, thank you for joining us. Uh, apparently, our, our scheduled guests could not make it, um, and uh, and uh, so Jessica has, has helped us out, and, and I really appreciate your uh, consenting to be on the air. Um, Mr. Denman, you, um, you, were, you were burned. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what happened in the incident uh, where you got burned? You bet. I was working a summer job in the oil field in... Uh 1992, and we were working on a uh, a um, oil and gas separator, and there was a, a natural gas explosion that I uh, I was burned 60 percent of my body. 60 percent. Do you know? Um, I'm I'm an, I'm a, I'm a fire investigator, so uh, in many cases, I know that uh, some survivors, after they're burned 50 percent, do not. Uh, do not make it. You, you really, uh, we really were um, strong enough to get through that. That must have been terribly traumatic, sir. It was. It was a very, uh, very trying time. I uh, there's two months that uh, I really don't. I don't remember anything. I was in in a in a uh, induced coma and uh, medically induced. So the first two months, I uh, I have no recollection at all. Oh, and uh, and then when you did come, when they did bring you back up um, from that, uh, can you kind of give uh, the general audience here that we're speaking? We're speaking to the world here. Can you um, right. can you give can you give us a kind of an idea of what kind of feelings you were having at that time? I'm sure they had you on some com- kinds of pain medications, but uh, yes. could you could you feel could you feel pain then when they first brought you back out? Uh, I. I had a little bit of pain. It was, um, and it was, a lot of it was what I was dealing with was since I'd been, I'd been in an induced coma and for two months and hadn't had any movement or anything. I had to learn how to walk again. I had to, your, your skin's very tight. I was, it was very, very difficult to, to get around. Um, I was, I was in, Quite a bit of pain just just from having to learn how to do all those things again, and, and it's not just the it's not just the physical pain, but there's also all the mental things that are going on. You're asking why me lots of times, and I was I I really didn't know what was I, I knew what what hap, had happened, but I had a lot of questions about what what next, what's going to be. What's my life going to be like? Am I going to be able to go back to school? A bunch of questions like that that I, I was in the beginning really trying to, uh, to get answered. So how long were you in the hospital? I was in the hospital about two and a half months. And then and- I was released and I actually 
I stayed, I stayed close by the hospital, and then I went back to therapy every day for hours at a time for probably another two and a half months. I can't imagine, and, and f- I'm sure financially that was tasking. Yes, yes. Uh, my parents, I was, I was 22 years old, and basically my parents, uh, one of them was with me all the time. We stayed mm-hmm. with a friend of mine, so my, my dad would work during the week, and then my him and my mom would they basically would pass each other because i i lived where i where we lived was probably five hours from where i was being uh treated mm-hmm. and they would pass on the road and they did that for about well once i got better once i got where i was didn't i was not in the ice intensive care they kind of went back to doing that. And so that was probably about a three or four month deal that they did that. And so then were you able to go back to school? Yes, I was able to go back to school. I went back and I had some really good roommates and they helped me a lot. And then I was able to go back to school. I graduated and, and kind of went on with life. Oh, that's great. That's great. And uh, what uh, at that time, and I don't know this, uh, Scott. I know that uh, you're you're with uh, with the Phoenix Society uh, now. I mean, at least that you're. Did, did was the Phoenix Society uh, with you, or, or give your your people any support, or how how did you become involved with the Phoenix Society? You know, it's. I, I was going to say I heard y'all talking about World Burn Congress earlier, and uh, I actually went to. World Burn Congress, it was in San Antonio that year, and I was, I'm from Texas, I was treated in Lubbock, and I had an occupational therapist who said, I think we need, I need, you need to go to this, and so she was able to get me funding, and uh, I went to my first World Burn Congress in 1992, and uh, it really, it, it was life-changing. It That was the difference, and I always knew that I always knew that I was going to be okay, and I always, and I really didn't, once, at that point, I really, I knew I was fortunate, but I met people there that had been burned years before that were going on with life. They, there was people that were amputees that, you know, they were, they were getting on with life, and uh, it really, my mom told me, she said, you came back a different person, and it, it, it was that was that was the big turning point and i've always been from that point i really um i knew who the phoenix society was and stuff but it really wasn't until 2007 or so that i got real involved with the phoenix society and i was uh i think in 2008 i was i was sore trained y'all were talking about that earlier so I'm a I'm a sore train uh, peer supporter, and I just I went back to my to World Burn Congress in 2008, and it's been just ever since I've been really involved in just getting more and more involved because in in those days, way back then there wasn't the support that there is now. So I really want to help help the people that are that are going through it now 
with the support. It's so exciting that it's come so far. That's great. And so when was your medical treatment ended? Are you there, are you done with medical treatment? Uh, it was my medical treatment was really I'm I'm very fortunate that I was burned 60% of my body, but I really don't have any um skin grafts or or burns over any um any of my uh, joints or anything like that. So mm-hmm. my last, my medic, I was released from, uh, I was released medically probably two and a half years after my injury. Well, that's great. And did, did you, you were a young man. Uh, did you go on to college? Yes. Did you uh, get married and have children and all that wonderful stuff, Scott? Actually, I, uh, I, I am married. I married a lady that uh, has uh, four children and we have, five grandkids and uh, oh, wow. so yes I went on and I mean life is I went on to fill all those all those dreams I had before well I'm so happy to hear it now Jessica this is a this is a wonderful story of uh, of uh, how the Phoenix Society is, is impacting people's lives um, uh, and you know, it, apparently the Burn Congress. Uh, I didn't realize uh, that uh, that other therapists were bringing people in. I thought that was. I think that's great. Yeah, I talked about how it really starts in the hospital setting, and and they are our partners, um, both from the staff perspective as well as people like Scott who are turning around and serving their peers right after they're injured and later in support groups and saying, "Hey, this is for you too. We understand. Come on in." That's, that's terrific. Scott, can you stay with us? We want to bring on a, another um, a survivor. burn survivor. Yeah, um, go ahead. And, and, and Jessica, I'll let you, his name is Blake. Blake Petter, right. That, that's right. Blake Petter is, is one of my good friends and has been one of my co-facilitators for some of our support workshops. Blake is also a SOAR peer supporter and has an amazing survivor story of his own to tell. Great. Blake, are you there? I, I am here. Thanks for having me on today. Thanks for joining us. Sure. <laughs> yeah, Jeff, Blake, Blake, can you tell us a little bit about your, your background? And, and again, uh, Jessica arranged this. Thanks. Thanks. Thank, thank you, you to her, <laughs> Jessica. So tell us a little bit about you, Blake, uh, please. Sure. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be on today, and thank you. And I love to talk about the Phoenix Society and love to connect with my friend, Jess. She's, uh, we've done a lot of good work together. So uh, in, I'm 32 years old. In 2001, uh, I was in a plane crash uh, with my father in the mountains of Colorado. I was 16 years old, and um, the plane essentially reached a ceiling in the sky when it just could not go any further, so it went into a stall. And we um, luckily put this plane down in the trees uh, on the side of a mountain, and the trees actually clipped the wings off of this small plane, and uh, for your listeners, if you're ever in a small plane, hope this never happens to you, but uh, the wings is where the fuel is kept, and planes are designed to have their wings clipped off, and luckily that happened because we definitely would not have survived had all that fuel caught on fire. And um, through a miraculous story, which I'm happy to share at some point later, we survived. We walked down this mountain, um, were airlifted from Aspen, Colorado Airport to Denver, um, uh, from Denver, we were airlifted back to North Carolina from where I'm from to our UNC JC Burn Center here. 
and um, I was in the hospital for about three months. My father and I both survived. He was in the hospital for about the same time. We went through the um, the standard awful rigmarole of surviving a burn injury, which includes uh, baths and dressing changes and occupational therapy, physical therapy, all the ther- speech therapy, all the therapies you can think of, um, and then uh, upon getting out of the ho- uh, hospital, continuing into high school while going through therapy and um, uh, w- was a challenge that I can certainly talk about, and then uh, going to college um, and uh, looking different, feeling different, having visible differences on my face and my body was, was something that was uh, really challenging and something that I love to talk about and speak about. And then finally, mm-hmm. you know, sort of the last chapter uh, of my life recently has been that I've been a yoga teacher and a spiritual teacher, a meditation teacher, and also a social worker. Um, uh, and, and, of course, I like to work with people with, with burns, but I, I, I kind of uh, found my ex- experience of looking different, feeling different, and going through something like a burn injury to be really uh, illuminating in my life. So I've found a way to, to do some, some good in my life um, because... After you go through something like that, uh, you, you just have a different perspective. So I, that was a, that was a short version. <laughs> Happy to expand on any of it. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And and yes, you you wanted to elaborate. Please do. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. I got a question for you. Sure. You, you're now doing some really uh, good <laughs> work for society. I mean, a yoga teacher, a social worker. Um, you work with burn people. Um, all these things, uh, did your experience as a burn uh, survivor, do you think that impacted your the direction of your life? I mean, it, it, did, it, uh, did it inspire you to go in that direction? Absolutely, but I, I wouldn't put it out there that my experience is, is going to be the, you know, the, the standard that everyone experiences. What, what I've found in years of, of volunteering with burn survivors and speaking with burn survivors um, and with any other disease profile or, or injury profile is that um, no one responds the same way through their experience. They're, you know, uh, when you go into something that is life-changing, um, there are certain things that will, will make certain people respond in certain ways to it without getting into all of that. I think that I was um, predisposed by some really loving parents and a really loving community and a lot of support and love around me that I was able to really respond to my, um, to my situation with, with a positive and um, life-affirming uh, change. I, I was able to do that. Some people, unfortunately, um, may not have uh, the means or the community support or the family support that would give them that ability to um, uh, to to have it as you know I'll, I'll I'll say this but have it as easy as I did it was certainly hard but I, I certainly give a lot of credit to everyone else that being said absolutely I was um, you know a, a regular 16 year old. Uh, teenager at that point in my life, and I was looking forward to parties and dating and and all of all of those things that you do in adolescence. And immediately, I had experienced what death was going to be like, what looking mm-hmm. different in society was going to be like when you're at, supposed to be coming into your prime for for dating. Um, all of that really informed my my choices and my my development. And I really think that. 
um, going through that early jump-started me into a, into a development phase that was much, that's much later for a lot of people. So I really identified with adults more who were going through the sort of development phase that I was. And I sort of had to backtrack into my adolescence and pick up the lessons that I wasn't learning while I was busy um, uh, surviving, really. So I, yes. I think that I got a jump start in, in the spiritual realms and in the, um, in the, in the life compassion realm. So. Yeah, maturation. It seems like uh, that kind of experience will, will uh, mature you quickly. I think one of the things I want to underline is what you said, uh, parental love and support. Uh, and, and Scott said that, too, with his parents uh, and literally passing each other on the roadway. That, that has got to be, um, has got to be the, a wonderful support system. Uh, and it's too bad that not all uh, parents uh, act as responsibly as yours, yours do. Um, secondly, how, well, let me ask a question because uh, I don't know if the other uh, people out there are wondering, how about your father? Uh, did he... I know you told me he survived to get out three months. Uh, was his life uh, uh, affected uh, traumatically? Or, or, I mean, did he move on? To tell us about what happened to him. Sure. So what I think is really interesting about my, my father and I going through the same incident and being in the hospital at the same time is that from a psychologist or sociologist perspective, you can look at that situation and say, here's a 16-year-old going through this injury and a 53-year-old, and how do they respond to it? And I'd say that my dad was able to really snap back into his uh, previous uh, identity pretty quickly. He was able to say, you know, I do this, I own this, I have a house, I have, this is the way I interact with people and all this stuff. Well, I I was a 16-year-old, so I hadn't developed that identity yet. And so it was very uh, nebulous for me trying to figure out how I fit in in society and all that stuff. So I'd say that he hit the ground really running after um, his injury, and I had, a, I had a much harder time feeling my way through emotions and social groups and things like that. Um, unfortunately, my father passed away uh, maybe, I guess it was three years later, uh, from cancer, uh, pancreatic mm. cancer, which may or may not have been exacerbated by going through the intense ICU experience and, and the comp- compromising of his immune system. So it, it is a shame that, uh, and, I, and I'm, one thing I miss, and I think uh, your listeners will, will uh, understand this, is that, um, you know, my dad was the only person in the world who experienced the the thing that I experienced. He was the person that I could connect with, even if it wasn't through words, about something horrific that we went through. And, and uh, I don't have that person around anymore. And, and it would be, now that I have grown up and can talk about these things, I would love to have that ability to say, hey, that was, that was pretty inc- incredible. It was incredible that you guys got through. Well, what happened yep. uh, to you? I know you you had a difficult difficult time because you were so young. Um, and how does how does it? Where are you now? Are you are you married? Do you have children? Do you do you um, do you still do we? Uh, apparently, you're you're talking about it well. Your your struggle. Uh, uh, everybody's struggle always continues, you know. But yep. I mean, um, how are you now? What's going on yeah, with and, you? And and I'm glad you you mentioned that everyone's struggle continues because I don't want um, my good use of language 
and, and ability to talk about my experience to confuse anybody that, you know, that I'm, I'm, I'm good because unfortunately trauma is something that is very, very real. And it's, and it's, um, I'm not entirely convinced that you can completely rid yourself of trauma because it is something that is in my body that my body remembers to this day. Um, as a, as a burn survivor who goes through, you know, all the surgeries that you go through, you're given these memory, um, uh, disrupting and consciousness disrupting drugs all the time. Well, unfortunately, the the body is still very present and remembers every every knife cut, every surgery you go through. So, um, I still feel um, the anxiety that comes with trauma, the hypervigilance, the um, you know sleep disturbances, things like that. It's still very present in me, and and that's where mindfulness and yoga has really helped me um, to. Uh, ameliorate a lot of that because it just you just work with the body and the body's natural responses so that being said I'm, I'm, I think I am living uh, the life that I want to be living right now I, I, I work for the National Parkinson Foundation which is a international nonprofit um, and I'm the only representative in North Carolina uh, representing that foundation uh, I'm married I live in Hillsborough North Carolina my wife uh, is is a very very talented energy healer naturally i i found my way to uh being married to a healer because i had a lot of healing to do so right in fact of the matter is if you can give me a two-sentence thing because we're at the end of the show here but okay. can you give me a two-sentence thing or something short anyway on what would you say to burn survivors what's the what's what should they do what's the best thing that you found at what stage in the hospital or after because i think after after because okay. after, after uh, you know, I say that what I was just saying earlier, that a lot of what's going on is in the body, and you'll try to solve it with the mind, but you really have to get into the body through yoga, through stretching, through exercise, to really break through the, the, the trauma. And um, that's one of the best things to get you thinking clearly, which can help you deal with all the other things like social stigmatization and, and things like right. that. Thank, thank you. you, thank you. Sure. And how about you, Scott? Um, you know, I think you really getting getting around other people that have had similar situations that can help you through some of those situations really really helps people that un- that that can understand your feelings. They may not have experienced the exact same thing but they're a little bit closer to understanding what you've gone through really helps peer peers, your peers that are, uh, can really help you break through some of that. All right. Well, thank you so very much, Scott. And, and, uh, and, and and I want to tell you both, I'm crying. (laughs) It's true. Uh, Thank you for being on the show with us. Yes, and and you're and you're and we love your spirit, and we're so glad you got on the other yeah. side of that. And Jessica, we're gonna just we're gonna give you the last word here, uh, very briefly. <laughs> um, what would you like to lo- leave uh, our listeners with? And and you can just go ahead with it. And just we got about two minutes. Okay. Sure. You're never alone, and there's someone who has been on the journey that you're on at every stage of healing. So reaching out 
and showing up for more support is going to help with that healing, no matter where you're at. People are going to help you heal. And, and, and you have a, a wonderful organization, the Phoenix Society. Please give us again how, um, how people from all over the world can t- contribute um, if, if you, in, in various ways. So please again give your, your, your um, website at, at least. Sure. Our website is www.phoenix-society.org. And getting involved as a survivor or a family member who needs resources or who's ready to give back and support others, even from as far away as the other side of the world, there's ways to do that. From And also becoming an advocate so that there are better resources to support survivors and family members and to prevent this kind of, of, of injury from happening. There's a place Thank for everybody, you. but it really is about the community. And I'm going to reiterate www.phoenix-society.org, and that is spelled P-H-O-E-N-I-X-S-O-C-I-E-T-Y.org. And thank you, Jessica, for all your great information. Both of you guys, gentlemen, thank you for being Scott here with Blake, us. Yes. yes. And um, and so um, remember, ladies and gentlemen, wherever you are, uh, this is a wonderful thing, and we got to support our our survivors um, and fire service people too. Let's not forget that. Uh, okay, so next week we're going to have um, Greg Gorbett from. Uh, Eastern Kentucky University and others uh, speaking of uh, about how to um, how to uh, be- become involved in, in, in learning about fire and becoming a fire investigator. Come back next week to Speaking of Fire. Thank you for tuning into Speaking of Fire. Please join your hosts, Mike Schlattman and Donna Ingram, for another edition of our program next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember to be careful this week and every week.